2: As I stood in the doorway, I could hear the knocking sounds coming closer and closer, as if someone was running towards me. I turned to see if anyone was there, and I could feel the knocks under my feet going right through me. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my Paranormal Story. I'm very excited about this episode, but before I start, I want to quickly thank a bunch of people. As I always say, this podcast is free, like free, free. There are no Patreons or subscriptions for you to buy. Every episode is free and complete, but it's not free for me. It does cost money to produce a podcast, and without your help, I wouldn't be able to keep this podcast on the air. So big thanks going out to Mandy Gonzalez, Pat Bender, Tara Oliver, and Brianna Kumar for making donations over the past few weeks. And if you'd like to support this podcast, just visit my website, MyParanormalStory.com. Click on the Donate button. There's PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App available. And I thank you very much. I also want to thank Scott Higgins and A. Cecito, my friends from Behind the Funny, for letting me co-host their podcast with them throughout the month of October. It was a blast and we talked to a lot of interesting people as you'll see. And big thanks to Ken DaCosta and George Lopez for once again having me as a guest on their YouTube show, Dead Air Full Spectrum. A couple of weeks ago I was on with them and we had a great episode, it was a lot of fun. So head over to YouTube and check that out. Also, if you could do me a quick favor, My podcast is now on YouTube as well, and I could really use some more subscribers. So if you wouldn't mind, head over to YouTube.com slash My Paranormal Story and click the subscribe button for me. And good news. Many of you have been asking, and yes, my other podcast, Celebrity Paranormal Experiences, is back on the air. I don't know why I say it like that, but anyway, I had to take it down for a while, but it's back now with more than a dozen episodes, including some new ones for you to binge. They're all short stories, but true stories about celebrities who have had paranormal experiences, but you probably figured that out from the title. So anyways, I'd love it if you'd check out that podcast too, Celebrity Paranormal Experiences. All right, that's it, thank you to everyone, and now let's start this episode. So recently, I made a post on my social media accounts, Facebook and Instagram, that I had finally visited a haunted location that's been on my bucket list for a long time, The Conjuring House. And many of you commented saying, I should do an episode about it, so this is it. If you're a fan of horror movies like I am, you've most likely seen the movie, The Conjuring, It's based on a real-life family living in a haunted farmhouse in Rhode Island, which is the state where I was born and lived most of my life. In fact, most of my stories on this podcast take place in or near Rhode Island. And that's because I've spent many years exploring and investigating haunted locations all around this state, except for one, The Conjuring House. A couple of years before The Conjuring movie came out, I was a paranormal investigator and case manager with Rise Up Paranormal, and we had a chance to investigate a haunted farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. We'd heard the many stories about the hauntings at this location, and some other well-known paranormal teams had already investigated there. So we definitely had interest in going. But unfortunately, for some reason, When it came time to investigate, I wasn't able to go. But in my defense, at the time, I had no idea this location was going to turn out to be the Conjuring House. But during our research of the property, we got to know a woman named Andrea Perrin. She wrote a book called House of Darkness, House of Light, about her experiences growing up in that house. See, the family you see in the movie The Conjuring was based on her family. She's the real-life oldest daughter. After reading her book and learning as much as I could about that house over the years, I had really wished I'd gone on that investigation. But a month ago or so, I finally did. I went to the old farmhouse, The Conjuring House, and it did not disappoint. But before I get into how my visit went, I want to delve into the history of the farmhouse first. Because the movie took a lot of liberties when it comes to what really happened there. In fact, Andrea Perrin will tell you that the movie doesn't even come close to the real story. In fact, the real story is even scarier. Now I've gotten to know Andrea a little bit over the years. And a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of being on a podcast with her. My friends Scott Higgins and Ace from Behind the Funny Podcast are nice enough to let me co-host with them every October as they switch to a paranormal theme for the month. They like to call it Scott-tober because Scott gets a little freaked out by these things. And every year, I like to bring on some interesting guests. And this year, Andrea Perrin was kind enough to join us. And one of the things we asked her, of course, was... What was it really like living there? Here's a short clip of what she had to say.
3: They told so little of our true story um, and, you know, did the whole Hollyweird method and formula. There was no exorcism. None of us knew who the Annabelle doll was. You know, I mean, there are a thousand things that I could clarify for you, but, you know, but suffice to say that that film bears no actual resemblance to our story. And our story is much deeper and richer and fuller and the film makes it look like the Warrens moved in and rescued us and nothing could have been further from the truth.
2: And that was the main difference between the movie and the family's real story. The film was based on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Anyone with even a little bit of interest in the paranormal field knows who the Warrens are. They were world-renowned for their many investigations through the 70s and 80s, many which have gone on to become legendary stories, like Amityville Horror, the Annabelle Doll, the Enfield Poltergeist, and many others. Ed Warren was a self-proclaimed demonologist, and Lorraine was known to be clairvoyant. And together they made a formidable team against evil spirits. Now, Ed passed away back in 2006, and Lorraine was with us until 2019. So she was actually around for the filming of The Conjuring and actually helped consult with the movie. But what is the real history of The Conjuring House? Well, that actually goes all the way back to the 1600s when Roger Williams was giving away pieces of land from his new colony called Rhode Island. He gifted a large portion of that land in what is now the Harrisville area to the Richardson family. And that family sold many smaller pieces of that section of land to other families. And eventually, the property that is the Conjuring House became owned by the Arnold family. And this is when some of the first claims of paranormal activity began. According to legend, one of the Arnold women in the family committed suicide in the barn on the farm, hanging herself from one of the high beams. Death records and newspaper articles also show other deaths from the Arnold family happening on the property. John Arnold, one of the sons, allegedly poisoned himself on purpose after several years of suffering from an incurable sickness. And then there was the father, Edwin Arnold, who supposedly froze to death out in a nearby field. But there were other deaths also from outside the family tied to the property as well, including Jarvis Smith, a local man who was said to have had too much to drink at the local pub one night. As he was walking home, he decided to rest for a spell up against a shed on the Arnold property Only to succumb to the elements during the night. And then, of course, there's Bathsheba, an evil witch mentioned in both the movie and the book. There are many conflicting stories about Bathsheba Sherman. Some say she lived at the Arnold estate, while others say she was just a worker on the farm. Most of the tales about This suspected witch depict her as being mean and abusive to others, especially children. She was even accused of murdering a child with a knitting needle. In the movie, it was Lorraine Warren who claimed Bathsheba was a witch, and that she was the evil presence haunting the home. But there are many others who believe all the stories about Bathsheba were simply made up. Now, there are many other stories and theories as to who haunts the Conjuring house and why. And that would be impossible to tell you about all of them in one podcast or in one movie. But those who have lived at the farmhouse and many who have visited will tell you it is undoubtedly haunted. The Arnold estate changed hands several times over the decades, and in 1970, the Perrin family moved in. Roger and Carolyn bought the large home to raise their five daughters, April, Cynthia, Christine, Nancy, and my friend, Andrea. They lived there for 10 years, with all of them witnessing paranormal activity at one time or another. Some of it was common stuff, you know, things like uh, doors opening and closing, footsteps up above, shadows in the corner, the bed shaking. Quite often during their ten years there, the parent daughters would see apparitions in their room, sometimes even hovering over them as they were lying in their beds. But their mother Carolyn was affected the most. One time, while out in the barn, she witnessed a scythe spinning in the air before it flew past her, grazing her neck and shoulder, cutting her. And another time, she was attacked while lying on the couch by what felt like a knitting needle piercing her leg. Not knowing what to do, she reached out to a local paranormal investigator. Keith Johnson, who quickly determined the house was possessed by a demon. And it was likely he who contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren, who showed up to the house unannounced. And according to Andrea, it was the Warrens who really stirred up the activity in the home. But the hauntings became more than the family could endure, it was tearing them apart. And while Andrea was away at college in Pennsylvania, she got the call from her mother that they had sold the house and were all moving to Georgia. And it would be many years before Andrea would return to the house. The Conjuring house changed hands a couple more times and was even unoccupied for a while, until Jerry and Norma Sutcliffe bought the home in 1987 and they lived there happily for over 30 years but they claimed that the house wasn't haunted they'd never had anything paranormal happen aside from a few of the usual bumps and bangs that are expected in an old house but they were open to letting paranormal investigators check it out now and then in 2005 they let taps the Atlantic Paranormal Society check out the house, and it actually became part of an episode on season two of Ghost Hunters. A couple of years after that, they let my team, Rise Up Paranormal, come in for an investigation. All of this before the making of the movie. Of course, today, many of the popular TV shows have been there, like Ghost Adventures, Ghost Brothers, and Kindred Spirits. But when The Conjuring movie came out in 2013, life became difficult for the aging Sutcliffe family. Paranormal fans quickly discovered where the real-life Conjuring house was located, and the Sutcliffe's found themselves victims to trespassers and drive-bys. Quite often, people would be driving right up onto their property, knocking on their door, sometimes sneaking into the barn, attempting to gain entry to the house, It all became too much for them, and in 2019, they sold the home to Corey and Jen Heinzen, a couple of paranormal investigators and enthusiasts from New England. Corey and Jen not only made the farmhouse their home, but also a business. They wanted to make the property available to the public, to visit and investigate through paid tours and overnight stays then the pandemic of 2020 halted their new paranormal ventures. But the family continued to live in the farmhouse, and they claimed to have had many of their own paranormal experiences. Everything from doors opening and closing, furniture shaking, and even a couple of times they saw apparitions and black mists. But in 2021, they decided to put the house up for sale and it was quickly purchased by Jacqueline Nunez, who is now the current owner. She followed Cory and Jen's lead and made the farmhouse into an attraction that can be visited by all those interested in the paranormal. And she's done such a great job creating interesting events and gatherings along with the tours and investigations. And once the Conjuring House became a haunted attraction, and no longer a private residence, that was when Andrea decided to return, something she had been waiting to do for years. And during the Behind the Funny podcast that I did with Andrea recently, I asked her what it was like returning to the house for the first time in many years. And here's a clip of what she had to say. Tom, what was your second question? Well, the question was, you had you know moved out of the house, the house was sold... But eventually you returned to the house for the very first time. What was that like? The first time you ever returned to the house? Oh, and, that's you know, a blissful that, question. Was it,
3: like? um, it was like being steeped in drawn butter. Drawn, clarified butter. Warm and soft and peaceful and Comfortable. blissful. And it's mm-hmm. the only place that has ever felt like home to me. It's the only permanent part of my life, everything else feels temporary, just a pit stop. Even if that pit stop lasts a long time, it's still uh, the only place that is home in my heart.
2: Now, here's how my night went at The Conjuring House. It was a Wednesday, early October, and I was recording one of the podcasts with Scott and Ace On this particular episode, we were interviewing Cody Desbian and Satori Hawes, the paranormal couple. You've probably seen them on Ghost Nation or Ghost Hunters. After we wrapped up the podcast, Cody and Satori told me that they were heading to the Conjuring House to help out with some of the paid tours happening that night. So I sort of invited myself and tagged along, and I'm so glad I did. It was about nine o'clock, maybe 9.30 at night, dark, rainy, and windy. I mean, perfect weather to visit a haunted house. I followed them in my car down the dark and winding roads of Harrisville until we came upon a large gate on the side of the road that led to a small dirt parking lot. It was well lit, but still hard to see because of the rain. We parked our cars and. I walked with them towards the house. The ground was muddy and Satori was huddled under an umbrella that Cody was holding for her. We passed by the infamous barn and walked up a couple of old stone steps to the front door of the wooden house. We walked inside and in the main room, a few people were sitting on the couch. One of them was the new owner, Jacqueline Nunes, as well as a couple of other people who were there for the tour two rooms over, there was a small team doing an EVP session in the kitchen, trying to get electronic voice phenomena on their audio recordings. And I could also hear another small group in the basement below us. The room I was in was kind of large, with lots of different artifacts and paranormal-themed items decorating the walls. And the floors and ceilings were all old and wooden. So old that I could still see the axe marks from where the wooden beams were cut. I stood in the room as everyone quietly greeted each other and were talking, quietly, you know, trying not to disturb the other groups. I just sort of stood there silently, looking around, taking it all in. I wanted to go off and explore so badly, but I didn't know my way around and honestly, I didn't want to impose on the groups who had paid to be there. You know, it was their night. For about 10 or 15 minutes I stood there as everyone was conversing, when suddenly I heard a strange rattling sound. I turned and looked towards the sound and it seemed to be coming from a door on the other side of the room. The door was an old wooden door with an old-fashioned latch instead of a doorknob. And I could hear it jiggling as if someone was having a hard time opening it. I didn't know if I should go over and open it for them, so I just sort of stood there. And then the sound happened again, and I looked at Cody and said, Do you hear that? And he said, Yeah. So he walked over to open the door, but there was no one there. The room on the other side was empty. No people at all. That's when Jacqueline said, I have a security camera in that room. Let's check and see if there was anyone there. So we took a look at the video footage from that room and we could clearly see the door shaking as if someone was trying to pull it open, but there was no one there. I had only been in the house for like 15 minutes and already had experienced one of the more common paranormal events people have there. A short while later, the groups in the basement and the kitchen reconvened with us in the living room and my good friend, Ken DaCosta from Rise Up Paranormal was there with them helping with the investigations. He was sort of surprised to see me but Not really. I do like to drop in on investigations from time to time. The two groups shared with us the experiences they were having throughout the night some pretty interesting K2 meter readings and REM pods going off and even some possible EVPs. It sounded like they were having a pretty active night. The two groups split up again, one going upstairs to the bedrooms and the other down into the basement. I followed Ken, Cody, and Satori as they guided one group upstairs to the bedrooms. The stairs leading up to the second floor were old, narrow, and steep, almost to the point of it feeling more like a ladder than a set of stairs. At the top, I found myself inside a small bedroom. It was a bit dark, but I was using the flashlight on my cell phone to help see better. Everything looked old. The bed, the bureaus, the walls. I followed everyone through the bedroom into what seemed like a small hallway slash storage room, which led into another bedroom on the other side. Now this bedroom was a little bigger, but still felt small with the slanted ceilings and the amount of people that were in there. The group decided to try a spirit communication technique called the Estes method. I don't want this episode to get too long, so I won't go into a lot of details, but basically the Estes method is when one person blindfolds themselves and puts on headphones that are plugged into a ghost box. Now a ghost box is basically a radio receiver that is quickly scanning through all of the stations on either the AM or the FM dial. The theory is that through all of that white noise, spirits will communicate with words or short phrases. The other people in the room will ask questions, and the person wearing the headphones and blindfold will repeat any words they hear coming from the ghost box without knowing what questions were being asked. The hope is that some of the things that the person says will be intelligent answers to the questions. This method's used a lot on many of the ghost hunting TV shows. But if I'm being honest, I've never been a big believer in this method. Or ghost boxes, for that matter. But, anyways, this was their tour, their investigation. So I stood there and watched the entire session. The only thing that stood out, really, was the woman with the headphones and blindfold on. She kept saying the name, Beth. Like once or twice and she also said the words thief and stolen none of it really made sense at the time after about 30 minutes or so they wrapped up the SD session and Cody and Satori decided to try and contact some spirits in the house now again for the sake of time I don't want to go too deep into what they do but if you've ever seen them on Ghost Hunters you have an idea of what they do basically The two of them will face each other and hold hands or lock arms. And for some reason, unknown to them or anyone, they are able to make contact with spirits through audible knocks in the room. Now I've seen them do this several times and for the life of me, I can't explain what's happening. They will ask simple yes or no questions and ask the spirit to answer by knocking once for no and twice for yes. And amazingly, if you're in the room, you will hear those knocks. It's crazy because you can't really tell where the knocks are coming from. It feels like the floor, but it's hard to determine the direction. It's kind of amazing. So as they started their session, they locked arms and Satori introduced herself. Now she and Cody have done this at The Conjuring House many times, so she spoke to the spirits as if they're familiar. She nicely asked, is there anyone here who would like to talk to us? We'd love it if you'd join us here in the bedroom. Now this was one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. Like I said, everyone was standing around the perimeter of the room, and I was standing in the doorway. And as Satori was asking the spirit to join her in the bedroom, I distinctly heard knocks on the floor coming from the bedroom behind me. And the knocks kept coming closer and closer to me as if someone was excitedly running from one bedroom into the other. I literally turned to see if anyone was behind me and there was no one there. But the knocks, the knocks kept coming towards me until I could literally hear them and feel them under my feet as I was standing in the doorway. These knocks passed right through me and into the room. Next thing I know, the knocking sounds were coming from where Satori and Cody were standing. It was as if a spirit just ran from one room into another, right through me, so they could go and talk to Satori. She went on to ask several questions and was able to determine that the spirit's name was Abigail, which I'm told is a spirit that communicates in the home quite often. And Abigail had a message she was trying to tell us. So Satori used a method that they use often. She asks the spirit to spell out the words they are trying to say. So what Satori will do is she'll go through the alphabet one letter at a time and the spirit will knock when she reaches the correct letter. It's like she's a human Ouija board or something. So the spirit began spelling out words. First, it was a name. The spirit spelled out B-E-T-H, Beth. The same name that was heard on the ghost box during the Estes method the spirit went on to spell out a few more words and eventually formed a sentence. Beth stole from the garden. It didn't make a lot of sense to us, but it seemed to match up with what happened during that Estes Method session. So I decided to tell Andrea about this during the podcast, and she was blown away. Here, let me just play the clip for you
3: yeah oh yeah but you know what you know what got stolen from the garden oh my god tom i mean right mm. now here in real time i'm learning something from <laughs> a spirit from my childhood home through you on your yep. live air
2: it was oh, meant to be I my guess. god
3: okay my yep. mother found a pewter buckle um from a like shoes that the Puritans used to wear. Mm-hmm. A pewter, a square, or like a rectangular pewter buckle she found in the garden. And she had put it in a, a paper bag along with several other artifacts that she had discovered on the property. And the night that the Warrens came to do the seance, that bag of artifacts that was in the corner cupboard in the dining room, disappeared. Oh. Really? Yes.
2: My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Encomtech.com. To hear the interview I did with Scott Higgins, Ace Aceto, and Andrea Perrin, check it out on Behind the Funny. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find Andrea Perrin's books, House of Darkness, House of Light, on Amazon.com. You can learn more about Cody Desbian and Satori Hawes on their website, theparanormalcouple.com. And if you want to learn more about The Conjuring House or plan a visit there, go to their website, theconjuringhouse.com. And also, please check out my website, myparanormalstory.com, where you can learn more about me, listen to all of my episodes. You can buy t-shirts and mugs or make a donation, and all of that helps keep the podcast going. And also, check out my other podcast, Celebrity Paranormal Experiences where I tell true stories about famous people who have had strange things happen to them. And if you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or you want to ask me a question, or if you want to tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration Event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.